Happy New Year, and welcome back to Current Account. I'm your host, Clay Lowry. I'm the Executive Vice President here at the Institute of International Finance. For those new to the podcast, on Current Account, I try to talk about the most important current issues in international finance and economics while providing my own U.S. political and policy angle on these different issues. So as it is a new year, let me start off by talking about something that is highly political, which is our new U.S. Congress. Before I do that, let me say some of the other things I'll be talking about, which is what is the Congress going to accomplish, if anything, over the next couple of years? Are there some policy areas related particularly to financial issues that they might focus on that you could actually see some bipartisan agreement? That's what I want to try to accomplish in today's podcast. As a little bit of a context, let me just make sure that everyone's aware that the U.S. Congress is made up of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Over the last two years, all three parts of the executive and legislative parts of the U.S. government have been under the control of the Democrats, although with a very small margin. In November, in what we call midterm elections, the House of Representatives changed from Democratic control to Republican control. The surprise of the midterm elections was how small a margin that change was. Going into the elections, there was some talk about could there be a Republican wave, and it turns out none of that happened. The Democrats held on to the Senate to the surprise of a number of people. They actually picked up seats in governorships. That's not in the federal government. That's the state governors. And they did lose control of the House of Representatives by one of the smallest margins that anybody foresaw and allowed the Republicans to have control, but again, by a very tiny margin, particularly if you look at history. That being said, the Republicans now are in control of the House. And so what does that actually mean as we go forward over the next two years? First, the House of Representatives is likely to add a lot of investigations into the executive branch, which is part of the oversight responsibilities of the Congress. And we can expect them to be a lot more gridlocked. In Washington. That's not something that's surprising. It happens uh, very often, uh, but it makes it harder for legislation to get done. Probably one of the more dramatic things we will see will probably take place in the third quarter of this year, which is a fight that's uh, around the debt ceiling in the United States. This is a concept that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it, do- it does take place in the United States. In order for the executive branch, the government, to issue debt, it must be able to do that under a ceiling that is defined by the Congress. And that ceiling is done through adding up the previous appropriations and the spending, and obviously taking into account what the revenue has been. Even though it's an historically looking backwards type of measurement, if Congress says we don't want to raise the debt ceiling, They do it to say that they want to stop spending. That's usually the excuse. The problem is, is that means that the United States wouldn't be able to issue debt and therefore couldn't pay its bills. This fight happens every now and then, and it is usually ugly, uh, dramatic, and calls into question the creditworthiness of the United States. We'll probably see something along those lines in the third quarter of this year. 
usually it ends up being embarrassing for the United States as a country, but it usually does get resolved. I think that that's what will happen again this year, but only time will tell. What we're witnessing now is a fight over the speakership of the House of Representatives. The Speaker is the leader of the House, and they are selected from the majority party, the Republicans. So the fight that we are witnessing, which is basically eating up every press headline there is here in the United States, is there a, a fight among Republicans. The Democrats basically sit back, eat some popcorn, and watch the show. And the Republicans are having a difficult time because of the elections I just mentioned. Their narrow margin allows for a small pocket of members who have a different view on who should be the speaker. Whatever their rationale is, what we're witnessing is essentially unprecedented over the last 100 to 150 years in the United States. Usually, this is not a very difficult thing to get done because it's the leader of a party. That has not been the case. The question, putting aside this drama, which will play out and for all I know will get solved over the next couple of days, but it might not, is what does it mean for legislation? Is it a harbinger that anybody, any five or six Republicans can hold up the Congress? Or does it suggest that maybe Republicans and Democrats will have to come together in order to overcome a determined group of people? to hold up legislation. We don't really know. I would say that the chaos that we have witnessed in the first week of Congress is not optimistic sounding. However, I did want to talk about things I thought that Congress could get done. And there were two that I came up with. Neither of them is necessarily going to happen, but I thought that it was important to explain where I think that there is possible progress that could be bipartisan and that could get through both the House of Representatives and the Senate, and eventually the President of the United States. The two areas I thought of were, first, the regulation of digital assets, and second, is work on China. Let me start with digital assets. There's been a lot of debate in the United States about how to regulate crypto assets or digital assets, particularly stablecoins. There's been a few different bills that have been put forward. All of the bills have essentially been bipartisan, but the question is exactly how they will get done. This debate became accelerated with the collapse of the firm FTX in November, and there have been recalls for a renewed focus on this issue. The difficult part is it's really complicated. This is complicated legislation for a complicated regulatory framework because it's highly technical. The regulators themselves have said they can do some parts of this, but they have at the same time said they do need legislation and regulatory framework because what they're dealing with is tools that were designed not to handle something like digital assets. There has been an approach by some regulators to use enforcement as a regulatory tool, but that also seems to be an approach that lacks comprehensiveness. Could there be a way forward? I think the answer is yes. There's, there's issues here about jurisdictions. And what I mean by that is some would like to see the market regulator, largely the SEC, uh, have 
more control over this. And some would like to see what is our commodity regulator and derivatives regulator, the CFTC, to be more in charge. And what is the role of the Federal Reserve, the OCC, and the FDIC, which are our large banking regulators, and their role in trying to think through stable coins as they apply to banks? They have recently, actually just this week, put out a statement saying that there is questions about the safety and soundness of the financial system with these type of assets being looked at in a major way. They have not said that they want the banking system to be completely out of doing work with these assets, but they have clearly said we are taking a very cautious approach. So all of this stew from the, all these different regulators I just mentioned, these different jurisdictions are adding up to see, can Congress get something done? The betting money would probably say no. And the reason is, again, is because it's too technical and some partisanship will come up and then it will get back to some of the politics I talked about earlier of a small majority in the Congress. I'm not convinced of that. And I think that there is a possibility And because it's not a highly political issue, it's a more technical issue, and there is an impetus that we right now in the United States are vulnerable and we are allowing our investors and our consumers to remain vulnerable until we come up with some sort of a framework that makes sense. This leads me to believe that there's incentives to actually achieve something. And so I'm not optimistic because it would be silly of me to be optimistic in such an environment. But this is an area which is worth following. The second area that seems open for a bipartisan push is on China. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, there hasn't been a humongous difference between the Trump administration's approach and the Biden administration's approach. There's a little nuance there. The Trump administration focused a lot on trade. And so it was a trade war. Now, the Biden administration has not really changed any of the trade policies that came out of the Trump administration, but they have increased how to think about it, technology issues. And so they have taken a trade battle and turned it into a trade and technology battle. Congress reflects this. And what do I mean by that? There's been a bipartisan approach that we need to be tougher on China. And we can say that we've been pretty tough on China over the last few years, but that's not going to go away anytime soon. The nuance here will be whether or not the administration, which through President Xi and President Biden's meeting in November, decided that there needed to be greater and deeper engagement between the United States and China. So how do you square that circle? How do you make sure that you're having engagement while at the same time demonstrating that you're very tough on China. So is it a decoupling, which some have argued for, or is this a tough strategic competition, which I think is where the Biden administration is? How to do that and still be politically salient, where right now the politics is just be tough on China. That's something that we'll have to go forward with. From a Congress perspective, the Republicans being in charge, they will want to show that they're tougher than the Democrats on China. However, they're also trying to figure out, how do I get something done? 
And the way to get something done is to actually create some bipartisanship. And there isn't that much difference between Republicans and Democrats. So the areas that we're following are going to be an outward bound investment screening mechanism, which it would be completely new for the United States, potential of taking China off of our capital markets, which seems to be something that is not on the agenda as much anymore, but it's worth following. A potential sanctions regime around Taiwan issues from the United States, and probably some other issues as well. So this is an area where I could see bipartisan support, but some of the issues are technical and hard to implement, and they have impact on areas sometimes that Congress hasn't thought about as much. And so the unforeseen consequences is something that as this process continues, my guess is that Republicans and Democrats will get further educated and try to figure what is the best way forward. And how do you do that with a country where our financial and our trade interests are very much engaged? And that is China, of course. So now it's time for my three, two, one. So this is the three main takeaways I have from this podcast. The two things I'm looking forward to, largely related to this podcast, and one sports fact. First, there is a new Congress in the United States, and it could lead to gridlock, as we have seen just this past week. The Republican majority is incredibly slim, meaning that a small number of Congress people with different views can hold up partisan actions from being actually implemented. Next, Despite these problems and fears of gridlock, there is possibilities for getting some things done. One area is a regulatory framework for digital assets. Anybody who talks to me in Washington would say, don't be too optimistic about this. But my optimism is a little higher, I think, than the consensus. And second, the new Congress will clearly be looking to add new tools in the conflict between the United States and China. That doesn't mean that the administration won't be seeking to further its engagement with China, but they'll have to be very careful because Congress will be trying to figure out how do we continue to be tough on China. The two things I'm looking forward to. First, as the House Committee's work progresses, I'm looking forward to tracking the work of the House Financial Services Committee and the Senate Banking Committee and the House Agricultural Committee and the Senate Agriculture Committee regarding legislation on digital assets. There'll be hearings and there'll be attempts to try to forge bipartisan legislation. Can they make progress in 2023? Could they actually find legislation or are they basically laying groundwork for potential legislation in future years? And second, as a follow-up to the meeting between President Biden and President Xi in November at the G20 summit, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will be visiting China probably in February. Could that lead towards greater uh, uh, U.S.-China relationship? Or could that stall potential executive action by the Biden administration against China on investment issues or trade issues or something like that in the grounds of that would undermine any engagement ability by Secretary Blinken or others in the administration? I think that's something to look forward to. My one sports fact of the week. Over the weekend, we saw a stark reminder that sports is played by human beings. 
Last Sunday, a football player, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills, tragically collapsed on the field in the middle of a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. An immediate action taken by first responders and by training staff for the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals to provide CPR as well as even defibrillation appear to have saved this man's life. As of recording of this, he has awoken, he is in a hospital, and he appears to be on the road to recovery, although he's still in critical condition. The moment makes me reflect on a couple of things. First and foremost, these are human beings. And yes, they're extremely great athletes in great shape, but that doesn't mean that they can't be hurt and they're used to being hurt but they're also vulnerable to just things that can happen, including cardiac arrest, even in somebody as healthy and in amazing shape as somebody like Damar Hamlin. The second thing it also reminds me of is that we talk about sports and we talk about the athletes. Sometimes we talk about the coaches, the stories, the winning, the losing, all of that's amazing, of course. But then there's all the different people that help these folks. Some of them are trainers. Some of them are medical staff on the teams, and some of them have nothing to do with the teams. They're just a medical emergency staff that happens to be there. Most of the time, what they're trying to deal with are injuries, sometimes can be actually serious injuries. And it's not just football, which is obviously a very violent sport, but you see this in many different sports. In fact, last year, I did a podcast where a coach had to dive in in synchronized swimming to save her athlete who was in danger of drowning. But these people deserve our credit. They essentially saved DeMar Hamlin's life. We saw them save a man's life last year in the European Cup, one of the great soccer players for Denmark. They should be applauded. And obviously, we don't know their names, but it's nice to see and that they help their athletes and they help us enjoy athletic competitions. So my salute to the emergency workers, the trainers, and the medical officials that are associated with all these different sports teams. That's it for this week's edition of Current Account. As always, we do like to hear your feedback on the show. We constantly look for ways to improve and enhance the experience for you, the listeners. We can be reached at podcast at IIF.com. That and all our episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please make sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you.